We all have days that we will never forget. Personally, we have days like that in our own life, in our own family. But also as a nation, we have days that we will never forget. When I was growing up, I remember my parents talking about the assassination of John F. Kennedy, November 22nd, 1963. Some of you here remember when that happened. For those of you who grew up maybe more during the time that I did, we remember that day on January 28th, 1986, when the space shuttle Challenger exploded. In fact, I, I don't remember why. I believe it was because, believe it or not, in Georgia, we had a snow day that day, and we were out of school that day, and I remember sitting there in front of the TV and hearing about that tragedy. Those are days, those are moments that stick in our minds and in some ways can even define a whole generation. For most of us in this room, ages late teens and up, there's a day that we will never forget and we remember this weekend. A day that airplanes flew into the World Trade Center buildings in New York City. A day that an airplane flew into our Pentagon in Washington, D.C. A day that another airplane, we don't know exactly where that was planned, but many people speculate that that plane was headed probably for the Capitol building or for the White House, but that went down because of the bravery of some of our citizens about 500 miles from here near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. A day that we all know as 9-11 or September the 11th, 2001. I remember that day. I remember that we had just recently, just a few months prior to that, moved into this building. And I remember it was a Tuesday morning. And I came into the office and I, and I began to, to, to start my day. And I remember Shannon calling me on the phone. She said, Rob, she says, uh, I'm watching the news and something has happened. They're saying that a plane has flown into the World Trade Center. And I said, oh my goodness. You know, see what happened, let me know what's going on, and call me back when you know what's happening. Then just a few moments later, she called me back and she said, another plane has crashed into the other tower. And I knew at that moment, I knew, didn't we? We knew at that moment, this was not an accident. There's something happening. And immediately I dropped everything and I rushed home, number one, to be with my family. Because I didn't know what was going on. I rushed home to be with my family and to find out what is this that is going on. Within just over an hour, that other plane had slammed into the Pentagon and the other one had crashed in Pennsylvania. And even as I share my story, I'm sure that you probably remember, don't you? You probably remember exactly what you were doing, who you were with, what was going on when you heard what had happened. On that day as we watched, and even now we still wonder, what does this mean? We didn't know, did we? We didn't know. Is the world coming to an end? I mean, as you hear people talk about that on that day and even afterwards, we wondered, is, has the United States, has something critically, seriously changed forever? I mean, we may not have said this, we may not have been as bold and as brass to say this, but, but we kind of had in the back of our mind that the United States is invincible. You know, that, that, that we can withstand any attack, that, that nothing like this would ever happen to us. We could have figured it out before it happened. And many people began to realize, could it be that there really is evil in this world? There were many questions then, and there are still many that are unanswered today. So today on this 10-year anniversary, this weekend, and this time to remember, I believe God wants to speak to us. 
as we prayed about this, as we thought about uh, what our country was experiencing this week, we felt like, you know, we're going to hear many stories and many, and many uh, looking back and seeing those images and all the different things that are involved. But we believe tonight that God wants to say something to us. And I really felt led to share two primary things with you this weekend. First of all, a passage in God's Word that in general deals with how do we face cruel, evil things in our life. But also, I believe there are some specific struggles, some specific questions that this tragedy, 9-11, brings to our hearts, brings to our minds that God wants to give us guidance in helping us to deal with those things. So tonight, as we think about a day that we will never forget. I want to start out by turning to Psalm chapter 37. And I want to just read to you some verses, actually one verse here, that I believe gives us some answers. How do we face, first of all, when we face tragedies in this world, when we face evil in this world, bad things, wrong things, terrible things, tragedies, how do we deal with those things? And I believe Psalm 37 verse 7 gives us some answers. There are many things that go with September 11th that bother us. And I believe this passage helps us to deal with one of the biggest challenges we face. You see, Psalm 37 is really a passage about this. Sometimes there are really bad people in this world. There are really bad people who do really bad things. And it looks like that the people who do wrong are winning. It looks like that that they're just allowed to do that wrong, that, that, that they get away with it. And so the Bible encourages us, don't let appearances fool you. God's not going to let anybody get away with anything. If we keep our eyes on Him, He will take care of us. Here's what God's Word says in Psalm 37, verse 7. It challenges us to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. The Bible says... When you face something as overwhelming as this tragedy that we face as a country, as we think back, as we look at it, as we continue to process it, especially when it relates to evil being done by others in this world, this is what you do. He says, first of all, the Bible says we're to rest in the Lord. That means be still. It means be silent. It means stop your activity and let God work. Now, that doesn't mean we, we lie down, we go to bed, and we don't do anything, but that ultimately we are to trust in God and not in our own efforts. The Bible says we're to rest, yes, but we're to rest in who? In the Lord. Did you know, as, as, as I've heard the coverage over the last week or so, they've shared that uh, it's amazing that our nation has not experienced another tragedy of that magnitude over that 10-year period. That's absolutely incredible, isn't it? And, you know, they were sharing how, how much technology has been in, uh, developed and how much money has been poured into defense and, 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 and intelligence and all those different things. But they said, you know what? As much effort as we've put into it, there are the really two of the primary potential attacks that would have came against us in that time were not found out by great intelligence, by great computers, by great tracking devices. It was individuals who saw something fishy and told something, somebody about it. Isn't that incredible? I don't know if you're paying attention or not. That seems awfully lucky, doesn't it? No, it's not luck, is it? It's the grace of God. The Bible says we can rest when we rest in who? 
when we rest in the Lord. You know, even we live in this great area where our country, our nation started. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I don't know if if you grew up here, maybe just take that for granted, but just realize that this area, the historical significance of the ground that we're standing on, our nation started right here. Isn't that amazing? And as you hear the, the stories about what happened, people will tell you. I was even watching on the Weather Channel one day. They were talking about, you know, how weather has affected history. And they were talking about how some of the miraculous weather that turned at key moments as our country was starting that allowed us to win battles or victories and allowed us to become and be birthed as a nation. And people during that time, I don't know if so much now, but that's why we're here tonight. Amen. People during that time realized this was the providence of God. This was a special work. God's hand was upon this. It was because of his decision and his blessing that we have been protected. We can do a lot of things, and we should. But ultimately, we need to rest in the Lord and ask him to help us. Amen? The Bible then says we need to wait patiently upon the Lord. It says rest in the Lord and trust in Him and wait patiently for Him. Actually, those words don't come across in our English translations as active as they, as they should. The word actually means for someone or something to whirl about or to twist in anticipation. Now, it's funny because it says rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. That sounds like a calm. Actually, this is kind of a little bit of an uneasiness. What it's saying is expectation. Okay, so let me just kind of bring this down to what I think the sense of what it's saying. It's saying rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. We might say like this, rest in the Lord and wait for God with great anticipation. That's what it's talking about. The uneasiness is, is I can't wait to see what God is going to do for me. Amen? He's talking about trusting expectantly that God will work on our behalf. You know, many times when people read the Bible, when when we read verses like we're reading here tonight, and it says, wait upon the Lord. Some people take that as passive. They take that as kind of like, you know, I'll just kind of be a doorman. I'll just kind of lay down and do nothing, and God will just kind of do everything that I need to be done. They take it as inactivity. The Bible seems to indicate that waiting upon the Lord is a very active thing. Okay, it means that we have expectation that we believe God's going to work. We're looking for that. We're waiting for that. We're just not getting in God's way. That's what it's talking about. Waiting upon the Lord and resting in him is saying, don't try to do it yourself, but allow him to do it and be ready when he does it to notice. Be attentive and ready for God to work in your life. Then the Bible says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. People who come up with wicked plans or wicked schemes. He says, don't don't be worried all the time. Don't let that rock your world when someone who is doing evil seems to be getting away with it. When we face evil in this world, the Bible tells us, don't let it get you down. Don't let it get you discouraged. Don't let it put you in despair. Evil, wrongdoing might have a temporary victory, but the Bible says that the God that you trust will ultimately have the final say. Do you believe that? 
I believe that some of the the quiet confidence, the comfort that President Bush gave. Do you remember some of the words that he spoke, some of the strength that he spoke? I believe that some of that quiet confidence that he spoke during those important first days after 9-11 were derived from a quiet strength that he got from his relationship with God and Christ that enabled him to have this kind of perspective. We can be humbled, we can be broken, we can be saddened, but we are not in despair. Amen? We are resolute, we are assured in our brokenness that God will help us. So what are the lessons that God's teaching us in Psalm 37, verse 7? First of all, the pressure is off of you. Rest in God, trust in Him. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to catch everything that anybody's trying to do against you. Trust in the Lord and God will help you. Secondly, He's telling us wait upon God's answer, wait upon God's help with Great anticipation. Have great expectation that when you trust in the Lord, God will deliver you. God will help you. I just can't wait to see how he's going to do it. Amen? It's not a question of if God's going to help me. It's a question of when and how. And I can't wait to see when he's going to do it. And I can't wait to see how he's going to do it. And then while you're waiting, don't get too bent out of shape when you see somebody getting away with something. God is going to have the final say. We all face injustice. We all face wrongdoing in our lives, whether it's the tragedy of 9-11 or maybe it's as simple as your job and the way the people are treating you at your workplace. But the Bible says put your trust in the Lord and God will take care of you. By the way, I think that's a great message to our leaders of our country. Amen? If we would just trust in the Lord, we would be in a whole lot better place, a whole lot safer place as a nation. So the Bible teaches us about facing evil in this world, but I believe there's some things that come directly out of the tragedy of 9-11 that God wants to give us some encouragement about tonight. First of all, you need to know this. God cares about our pain. You know, in the middle of such a senseless mass loss of life, especially, I mean, there's people in this room probably, you probably, there, there are people who move to our area in the last 10 years because of 9-11. There are people probably in this room, you have relatives that worked in the World Trade Center that maybe lost their life or maybe you knew knew some of the firefighters or knew some of their family. And so it is certainly close to home for our area and our state. And we cannot help but struggle with many questions. Amen? We can't help but struggle with those questions. And one of the struggles that people really have is, where was God in all of that? Friends, I don't pretend to have all the answers, and I certainly would not presume to understand all of God's ways. But I want to tell you something absolutely unequivocally that God makes clear in His Word. God cares for you very deeply. Let me read you some verses tonight where God just makes it absolutely crystal clear you can worry, you can wonder tonight, you can struggle tonight, we can have questions tonight, but God says to you, do not struggle, do not question, do not wonder tonight if He cares for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. That's very clear, isn't it? You cannot get any more clear than that. Cast all your, and the same idea is reiterated in Psalm 55, verse 22. It says, cast your burden upon the Lord and He will 
sustain you. Actually, those verses and, and, and all these verses I'm going to read to you have kind of a dramatic element. In them. Sometimes when we read verses in the Bible, we, they, they seem just kind of on paper, just words. But you've got to realize that there's emotion coming through these verses. He says, cast, okay, actually throw your burdens on the Lord. That's kind of dramatic, isn't it? God's saying, I understand the incredible, intense struggle that you face in your life. And I want you to know, I want to carry that for you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says in verse 35 that Jesus was going through all the cities and villages. He was teaching. He was sharing the good news. He was healing people. What love he has for people. And, 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 and the situations that we find ourselves in in life. And in verse 36, it says, seeing the people. Can you see our Savior at the Glens Falls Civic Center for a hockey game? looking across and not really being concerned about which uh, team's going to get the puck in the net. He's not really concerned about that. He's looking across that crowd, seeing broken lives, broken hearts, broken marriages, children who are hurting. It says seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. That doesn't come across in English, okay? In the original language, it says it's really deep in his gut. I mean, you ever have a pit in your stomach? Okay, that's, that's kind of the, just to paraphrase what's being said here. There was kind of a pit in Jesus' stomach. There was deep in his gut. Really, that's really literally the way it's translated. He felt deep inside because they were distressed and dispirited. Those words don't come across. Actually, distressed means harassed and dispirited means thrown down. Okay, sometimes I'm not just hurting, amen? I feel like I just got hit by a truck. You understand? Okay, that's what these verses are conveying. God understands and it breaks his heart to see the intense pain that we're going through. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes and would trust in him should not perish but can have eternal life. That verse says it all, doesn't it? John chapter 3, verse 16. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated. He showed us He loved us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, separated, vulnerable, in danger, facing destruction and hurt and pain and ultimately separation from Him forever, while we were in that position, Christ died for us. He was willing to pay the price so that we could have eternal victory if we would trust in Him. God cares. There should be no doubt in your mind, even though things are difficult sometimes, that God cares for you deeply. Secondly, here's some encouragements. When things like this happen, the world may fall apart, but God does not. Do you ever feel like your world's falling apart? I mean, we've seen it over the last week. We've seen those towers coming down again. That is breathtaking, isn't it? We, in those moments, even now, I can watch, I cannot process that. I cannot process what is happening. And when you begin to see that, you say, how could something that dramatic, catastrophic be happening? It seems like the world's falling apart, but you, you, you need to know when the world is falling apart, God is not. I got to be honest with you. And this may be sort of depressing to us in some way, but it should not be, but it's just honest. I've got to be honest with you. Things are actually, according to the Bible, and we kind of see it in our world, things are actually going to get worse. 
I mean, think, have you noticed? I mean, good grief. Just a few weeks ago, we had a, an earthquake in Virginia, and I felt it in my truck. Some of you felt it too, didn't you? When we moved here in 2000, I think it was like 2002, a couple years after we moved here, there was an earthquake. We're on a fault line here in this area, okay? And earthquakes and hurricanes. And you know what? It's, 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 if you, you pay attention when you're watching those things, they say this was a 500-year hurricane. Okay, when you have a few 500-year hurricanes a couple of years apart, they're no longer 500 years, are they? What is that saying? There's something kind of ratcheting up, isn't there? We're noticing, we're noting that these kind of things are getting more frequent. And the Bible says that at the end of history, it's going to kind of ramp up like that. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, Friends, listen, God's teaching us this. We should not be surprised. Now, I'm just reminding us, or maybe you've never heard this before, and so God's wanting to teach you this tonight. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't be rocked off of your foundation. Okay, if the world's falling apart, God knew this. God knew this kind of stuff was going to happen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Okay, the Bible predicted that Jesus over in Matthew chapter 24 in verse 4, he says, listen, listen, don't get thrown off. See to it that no one misleads you, for many people are going to come saying they're the Christ, and they're going to mislead people, and you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. He says, don't be frightened, for these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and various places... There's kind of hinted at even odd places. It kind of sounds like, right, various places. There's going to be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. It's not true when a baby's coming, what happens? There's, kind of, there's some indicators, right? Hey, guess what? You're having a baby. And guess what? It's not going to be very long now, right? That's what Jesus says. It's just like that. There's going to be kind of some, there's going to be some contractions in this world. The world's beginning to show that. Then he says in verse 32, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Jesus used a a near analogy for them in their culture. They knew the fig tree that indicated that summer was coming. He says, so you too, when you see all these things, are you seeing them? Are you seeing them? When you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door we should not be surprised should we god said these kind of things are going to happen if your family if your 401k if the u.s government if the world is falling apart god is not diminished by those circumstances and when you put your trust in him he says i will take care of you listen to these verses isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 when you pass through the waters I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You need to write down Psalm 91. Tonight, if you are struggling with some of that fear and uncertainty, and God, are you sure you're in control? Psalm 91 is an incredible... I wish I could read the whole chapter to you tonight, but I just want to read to you verse 7. It says, A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. Friend, those are all just encouragement. The world can be falling apart, literally or figuratively, around you, but God 
is not. Number three, we need to realize there's a bigger picture going on. See, we don't realize it. We have a, a Western mindset. We have a 21st century mindset. We, you know, we have all these filters that we bring things through, but we need to realize something. Listen, let me get just a little bit high level here, okay, for just a second. Ultimately, those kind of things happen in this world because Satan hates God. And he has got an all-out attack on everything special to God. Now, friends, I don't want to get too deep into this tonight. We've talked about it other times. We'll talk about it again later. But listen, we need to realize tonight that the nation of Israel, God has promised to bless in a different way than any other group of people upon the face of this earth. They have been God's chosen vessel that he made some promises to. And we need to realize that part of what's happening in 9-11 is that we as a nation have been one of the greatest friends, typically, historically, in the world that helps protect Israel. Now, I'm not saying that Iran is Satan. I'm not saying that those terrorists are Satan. But I am telling you there is a Satan. He is an adversary opposed to God and his work, and he will work through whoever allows him to, to work against God and his purposes. By the way, if you will allow him to, he will even work through you. There's a bigger picture, a lot bigger picture. Number four, we love our country, but ultimately we trust in God. This nation has been blessed uniquely by God. Amen. I mean, there's no doubt. We have been blessed. I've got to be honest with you. I am not totally sure why. I, I'm not sure why. I, got, I think part of it is because this nation was started upon, uh, in, many, uh, in many cases, upon his principles and has been used in many ways for his purposes. And we should, as long as we have the opportunity, continue to fight to keep it great. But ultimately, our hope in, is in God. It is not in the United States of America. In fact, if you look at prophecy in the Bible, some people have a hard time finding the United States at the end of history. Okay. It's either not on the scene or it's not as prominent on that scene. Okay? Now, some people think that maybe this whole thing and the way the direction our country is going is maybe, uh, maybe the tactic, that maybe what's going to happen. Maybe the enemy's moving us toward just kind of, you know, being melted into a European Union and just sort of just kind of being diminished as a world. I don't know. But all I can say to you is, our trust is not in the United States of America. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses. And that's an ancient way of saying it. Some people trust in the things of this world, even the defenses of this world. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. He's the one that we look to. Number five, what is God saying to us? It's time for us to pray. I've shared with you before, I'm hard-headed. And it takes a lot sometimes for God to get to me. I think God's people, we're hard-headed. <laughs> I think maybe the Lord just say to us, good, great. When will you realize that you desperately need to turn to me? As a nation, as a church, we're not smart enough. We think we're pretty smart, but we're not. We're not strong enough. We used to think we were rich enough. Guess what? 
We're finding out. We're not rich enough. We need God to help us, to protect us, to forgive us, to restore us. Now listen, friends, Christians, many times we love to point the finger at everybody else. But listen, God's word, we're going to learn here as we study First Peter more over the coming weeks. God's word says, listen, judgment, if it's going to start, it's going to start at God's house. And so I believe God would say to us, start it here. Instead of blaming the rest of the country, let's say, God, what do we need to do? Amen? Someone said this, why are Christians so upset about no prayer in schools when they don't pray at home and they don't pray at church? So why are we upset about it not being in school? We want a nation that prays. Then it starts with a person who prays. I'm talking about me. It starts with me. If we want a nation that prays, it starts with some families that pray. Does your family seek God together? If we want a nation that prays, it starts with the church. Is this a church that is desperate and hungry for God and calls out to him in desperation, God save us? We want a nation that does that. We need a church that does that. And if churches do that, communities will do that. And if communities do that, we'll have a nation that calls out to God. It can happen, and I believe it must happen. It's not a preferred future. I believe it's absolutely got to happen. It's our only hope. Finally this. What would God say to us? I'm not sure everything he would say to us, but I believe these are some of the things he would say to us from his word. But number six is be motivated to serve other people. You know, all of us have to deal with this tragedy and especially those that, according to how close it is to your heart, to your life, and if you had loved ones involved, certainly it is more difficult for people in that situation. We all have to deal with it, but ultimately... We're learning we cannot get in despair. We cannot lose sight of our focus. Here's our purpose on planet Earth. Earth. God has called us to give our lives to Him. And after we give our lives to Him, to spend our lives in sacrificial service to others. That's the point of life. To give your life to Jesus and then to spend the rest of your life in sacrifice. We've been left here to make a difference. We've been left here to point other people to God. And listen, if there's two things that come out of 9-11 that motivate us to serve others more, first of all, it's the example of people who did serve. Thankfully, much of the coverage this week of 9-11 has been great stories of people who sacrificially gave their lives in service. Isn't it absolutely astounding? Isn't it inspiring? 343 New York City firefighters. 23 New York City police officers, 37 Port Authority officers, 55 military personnel. Celebrate those, honor those, let those inspire you and follow their example. But secondly, something that comes out of 9-11 that motivates us to serve other people is the brevity of life. Isn't it interesting when you hear the story of those who miraculously survived? Almost without fail, they say, I realize I've been left here for what? For a reason. God extended my time 
and I want to know what it is he's left my life here for. I heard one of those stories last week, Captain Tom Joyce, who survived the the plane crashing into the Pentagon, miraculously survived that. When he got home, his teenage son, who was a senior in high school, was sitting there waiting for his dad. Can you imagine? Waiting for your dad to come home. He said, Dad, I'm so glad you're alive. And then Tom Joyce said this. He said his son looked at him. He says, okay, Dad, since God has spared your life, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Wow. You know what? Tom Joyce became a pastor, and now he travels the country sharing that challenge that his son gave to him on that day. Since God spared your life, since God extended your days, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know what's really sad to me as a pastor? I see this over and over again at funerals. At funerals, people who really didn't want to have anything to do with any, with the other person in this life can find good things to say about that person. At funerals, they have a bigger perspective. And, and if they have the opportunity, things get made right. And many times at a funeral, we don't have the opportunity to make things right. We wish we could. Here's my challenge from Tom Joyce and from his son's question. Let's don't wait for a tragedy to have to get to the point to say, what's God want to do with the rest of my life? Why has God graciously granted me another day to live? Friend, what if today were the last day that you had an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus Christ? Maybe he gave you today one more day just to give you that opportunity. What if today is the last day that you will ever have to ask that person, would you please forgive me? I'm so sorry for how things have been between us. And I want to make sure that I make things right. What if today was the last day? You know, we make it a practice in our house. We don't leave each other before we say, I love you. In our extended family, that's just happened because of some tragedies that have happened in our family. We've realized, you know what? We're not going to hang up a phone before we say, I love you. Because we don't know. We've hung up the phone with some of our family, and that was the last time, and we didn't realize it. And we wondered, did they know? See what I'm saying? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? If Jesus Christ is working in your heart, He's calling you to something, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? God has spared us. He has graciously given us life for another day, for another moment. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? I believe it's a great question. We grieve at the tragedy caused by those terrorists. But they don't have to have the final say, amen? In the middle of the ashes, 
God can and does bring beauty. We let Him do that today in your life and for our country. I wonder, 10 years beyond that terrible day, I wonder even if there's somebody here today that on that day or in the days, weeks, and months immediately after 9-11, if God spoke to your heart about some things. And you know what? You sort of followed through with that. You sort of took some action with that, but you've backed off from that. Tonight, would God say to you, I'm calling you back to that decision. Let's continue moving forward. You know what I found in life? It might be another 10 years before you sit still long enough for God to get your attention. Why not tonight? Just say yes to Him. Amen? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whether it seems big to you or small, if God is speaking to you about it, it's important tonight. Heavenly Father, we do not know what to do with things like this. It's too much. It's too big. Father, for many... It's too close. It's too painful. Father, tonight I pray, dear God, for those precious kids, the little five-year-olds who lost their dad and now are 15 years old, trying to figure out how to live life without dad. Father, I pray for the spouses who were left behind. God, I pray that you would strengthen them and provide for them today and encourage them Lord, I pray that this would be a weekend that your people would pray and lift up the victims of 9-11, that they would feel strengthened, that they would sense God's work in their lives, your power, your protection, your provision for them, God. And Lord, is it too much to hope for tonight that in little pockets all over this country, just like here on 400 Brook Lane, that people will corporately call out to God and ask you to heal our land. And Lord, that we'll say, God, let it start in my heart. Help us tonight, Lord. We, we can't have all the answers. We know that. We don't understand all these things. But help us to trust in you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I really believe God wanted to speak to our hearts tonight, this weekend. I have no idea what on on your level, your heart, maybe it was something 10 years ago. Maybe it's brand new here today. God spoke to you about something. The real question is, these kind of things just bring the reality in our life. It's important where I stand with God. And I need Him. So tonight, would you tell Him that? If you don't know Him as your Savior, you know what, for some of us, we didn't grow up in church. And we've just been trying to find our way. And there's no shame in coming to Him tonight and just saying, God, I didn't know, I didn't understand, but now I do. 
and now I give my life to you. That's what's really important. Now I do know, and now I give my life to you. I believe there's a sleeping giant in the United States of America. It's called the church, the people of God. I can't get it fixed, but I can call out to the Lord to fix it. I don't even know what, what needs fixing, and if I did, I don't have the power to change it. In my own life, in our church, but the Bible says if we'll turn to the Lord, humble ourselves, seek His face, pray, that He will heal our land. I believe, he, I believe God keeps His word. How about you? So if we're wondering tonight, it's just come seeking Him, calling upon Him, humbling ourselves tonight, whatever that means in your life. Would you say, God, I'm listening. Here I am. Work in me. Work through me. Lord, I'm not waiting for somebody else to make a difference. I want to make a difference. Amen? I refuse to just stand by and let things go. God, use me. As we sing this song, we worship the Lord. Would you just let this be the cry of your heart? And if you need to talk to the Lord, you can just stay seated. You can get on your knees. You can just look up to the Lord. You can close your eyes. If you need to talk with someone, I'll be down front. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you. Any decision that you need to make tonight, let this be a marker for your life. Those terrorists meant this for bad. But God could turn it around into a victory in someone's life here tonight if you'll trust Him.